to our session on what matters most when raising daughters. I'm Kathy Town, and um, I'm with my three daughters today. Yeah, I'm Becca. I'm the oldest of the three, and I'm married to a wonderful man named Ryan. And we have three daughters. Finley is eight, Sloan is six, and Cooper is three, almost four. Um, I'm Kelsey Steverson, and I am married to Tom, and we have two kids. We have a two-year-old boy named Pratt and a five-month-old girl named Maury. And I'm Carly um, Mounts. I am married to my husband, John, and we just had our first child um, in October, so we have a little large... <laughs> He's very large. A uh, son named Hank at home is eight months. <laughs> Living up to the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so before diving into our topic today, uh, we just wanted to be clear that you will be, um, you'll have access to many talks and there are women speaking on topics that they've gone to years and years of school to become experts in. Uh, they're doctors and masters in their fields, and they've written books on their topics. And so just to be really clear, before we start in, you will not read any of what you're about to hear from us in a book. Um, it's not a result of years and years of clinical study or training. We are just four average women, above average, I'll give you guys that, um, <laughs> but speaking to you from our personal experience. Um, but we hope that our talk today will... Um, leave you feeling encouraged and perhaps with um, just a few nuggets of wisdom. So several years ago when the girls were all out of high school, our family was traveling together and we were at a restaurant. And um, we got on the subject of movies, which sometimes we do, and we were talking about the movies that we liked. And someone mentioned Father of the Bride 2. And uh, at that point in our conversation, Carly jumped in and said, remember when? But Kelsey cut her off saying, shh, shh, don't say it, don't say it. And then Becca and Carly both started laughing hysterically, and Kelsey's face was getting red, and she kept shushing them. Bill and I were completely confused, but no one would say what was going on. Um, so we were walking back to our hotel after we'd eaten, and Carly couldn't stop laughing to the point where she was laying on the ground, laying on the sidewalk, and Kelsey was dragging her, continuing to say, shh, shh, don't say anything. But finally, Becca couldn't hold back anymore, and she told us what was going on. So apparently, back when the girls were young, Carly was probably in kindergarten, Kelsey in second grade, and Becca in fifth grade, the four of us were watching Father of the Bride 2 together. And there's a scene in that movie, if you have seen it, and you'll remember this, where Diane Keaton's and Steve Martin's characters are in the kitchen, and they're getting romantic. And at that point in the movie, Kelsey, second grader, turned to me and asked, do you and Dad have sex? <laughs> Just well, imagine a head full of a bowl cut A bowl cut, yeah. <laughs> she turned. I mean, how was I going to handle this question? Was I going to squirm in front of my girls, show Kels that I wasn't comfortable talking about this? No. So I said, yes, thinking that would be the end of it. But no, Kelsey was curious, and Mom was talking. So then she asked, how often do you have sex with Dad? Still trying to stay calm, I answered her, surely, surely she would stop now. But no, Kels then says, 
when was the last time you and dad had sex? And, and apparently I said, Tuesday. So we're still on this trip when the girls are all out of high school and we're in a different city staying in a studio apartment where the beds are in the same big room. Bill goes over to say goodnight to the girls and hands them earplugs. They were confused and said, Dad, we don't need earplugs. And Bill responded, yes, you do. It's Tuesday. (laughs) The the girls were so traumatized by that conversation when they were little. They never talked about it with each other until the night when we were traveling together. So I just want to start off this talk by um, letting you know that despite the fact that we try as parents, and sometimes we think we've nailed a conversation, even one that that's really awkward, that we've done a really good job with a situation that comes up in parenting, we can fail epically and have no idea to what extent we have failed until years later. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so the first thing, um, we're going to dive in here, the first thing that came to mind um, when thinking about what mattered most when we were being raised was the topic of body image. And um, having three girls myself and thinking about how I want to raise them to view themselves and their bodies, I reflect back on how my mom raised us. Um, she always looked nice, put together. She cared about how she looked. She liked fashion and was always in style, but she didn't talk about how she looked. She didn't complain about her weight in front of us. Um, the way she looked didn't affect her mood, um, at least that we could tell. And she gave us a healthy balance of knowing that it's not bad to care about the way you look, but it's also not the most important thing. Um, so now I find myself in her same position, raising three little girls in this world where if you look at any magazine or any social media um, Good looks and sexy bodies are the ultimate achievement and something that people are not afraid to show off. It's everywhere. And I find myself trying to fight this urge to keep up. Um, I usually don't weigh myself, but for some reason a few months ago I wanted to. So I pulled the scale out and was about to hop on when I heard all three of my girls running down the hall (laughs) and towards me in our bathroom. So I quickly jumped off the scale and shoved it back under our bathroom counter before they met me there. And I realized I didn't want them to see me weighing myself or, or that I cared about how much I weighed. Um, the point's not that weighing yourself is bad. I just don't want them to think that this is the main focus and, and the main thing that I think about. And even though I do struggle with it on the inside at times, I can still be a good role model for them. Um, I know my mom struggled too, like I'm sure we all do. Um, but she made choices along the way that as young girls we were watching and they've affected us our whole lives. Mm. And um, when they said this to be one of the subjects, I was so relieved because this was something that I was and still try to be really intentional about. Um, Bill and I were in youth ministry for years and uh, seeing young girls struggle with eating disorders, I knew that this was something that was going to be really important when I raised my own girls. I didn't want weight and body image to be a focus, so I tried not to make it a focus in my own life, as hard as that is. Um, And even now as I'm aging and my girls are grown and out of the house, I still want to um, be that role model um, for any younger person and age gracefully and not obsess over wrinkles or that belly that appears when, uh, when menopause comes around. 
um, things that we did talk about in our house growing up around these issues were um, being active and food. We all love food. Yes. My husband has actually told me that we eat more than any girls he's ever known. So we're <laughs> proud of that. Um, yeah, growing up, we had healthy food options in our house, and mom would cook healthy meals, but we also had some junk food, and we'd eat at McDonald's sometimes. So I feel like it was a good balance, and it wasn't a stressor. Um, we were encouraged to be active, and we did stuff together as a family, like water sports, hiking, um, we were always outside running around, and then um, once organized sports started, all three of us got involved in that and liked that, just being with our friends, playing the game, and so we never really thought as these activities as working out. It was just fun, and it made you feel good, and so when we outgrew team sports, we all um, are still active because it feels good to be active. Your body feels healthy. It helps your mental health a lot, um, so... I think every day we try to do something active outside and it makes mm, you feel good for yourself. Yeah, maybe not cry like one as much. It makes you feel good and you focus on food and what you're eating a lot less because you feel like you've worked out and moved. Um, so we all care, obviously, about how we look and that's going to be a struggle for everyone. Um, but I think that we grew up focusing more on being active and f feeling healthy and happy instead of looking skinny. Mm -hmm. Another thing the girls wanted to bring up was our family dinner time. Um, we had busy lives, just like I'm sure all of you who are listening do. Um, so when we were raising our girls, our lives were really busy. We were in ministry with lots of events going on. Um, and our girls were involved in church events and sports and on teams that practiced and had games on weekends. But our church uh, really valued the importance of not putting ministry over family. And so Bill was able to prioritize our lives so that we didn't really miss uh, many games and important events that were happening in our girls' lives. Something we're so grateful for even now. Um, we tried to have dinner together as much as possible, whether it was at home, around the dinner table, or at McDonald's. Uh, it was important for us to be together so that we could find out how each other was doing, what was going on in their lives. Yeah, my memory of those dinners around the table um, at our house were um, that we had established a few rules, and those were that we'd all sit at the same table together, we'd eat the same food, the TV was always turned off, if the phone rang while we were eating, we let it go to voicemail. Um, and my dad would insist that we couldn't sing at the table <laughs> because our family was like a bit of a musical at times where we were just very good. good. Yeah, we were not good, which to his credit, that rule made sense. Um, and then mom's favorite rule was that we all had to hold hands while praying before we ate. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, what made that time really special for us is that our parents would maximize the opportunity they had with us by coming prepared with topics of conversation. Um, they would bring up stories and scenarios from their own lives um, and ask us how we would handle it. Uh, we went through a stage where we would use these Bible trivia cards that actually weren't the worst thing in the world somehow. Um, <laughs> we were little. <laughs> yeah, we were little. <laughs> um, our parents uh, also would sometimes bring a Bible verse that they wanted the whole family to memorize. Um, and so it wasn't like 
we always were stoked about every idea our parents had at the time. Um, but to this day, I have Bible verses memorized from that time of my life, and I've actually recited them to myself in certain times where I needed an encouragement or a reminder of um, what the good book says. So um, let it be an encouragement to you um, as parents. I'm sure there's a lot you do that your kids um, seem to undervalue these days, um, but you never know the impact that you're making in those small habits um, that you're forming in their lives. Yeah, so going back to those trivia cards, um, Bible trivia cards, I personally learned a lot from those cards. Uh, One night we were playing, and there was one card with a man, a whale, water. Seemed pretty obvious to me. (laughs) So I yelled out, Pinocchio! (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Find out, Pinocchio is not actually in the Bible, but Jonah and the whale is. So I am so thankful for those family dinners and those trivia cards. They taught me a lot. (laughs) Um, Family dinner always felt like a safe place, and I think we all appreciated the routine of it. I think routine is important to kids, um, even when they get older. Um, And as we got older, the conversation um, moved away from the trivia cards (laughs) to something more organic. Um, We would talk talk a lot about the highs and lows of our days. Um, And this really opened up our lives to each other. Uh, Becca's three years older than me. Carly's two years younger, so they have a five-year gap. And so... In the school age and high school years, that seems like your world's apart from each other. So just knowing uh, what was going on with each other and being able to check in um, really started probably at these family dinners. Um, That brings us to our next topic of what was important to us growing up, and that was the friendship between the three of us and how our parents fostered that. And um, even though we were all in different stages of life, these dinners gave us a window into each other's lives, um, and we could follow up. Like I said, um, we learned early through these conversations how to build trust with each other, and we were able to speak into each other's lives in truth, based in love, whether it was calling each other out or cheering each other on. And um, we still do that. We call each other out, um, and sometimes we offend each other, but the like hard conversations are worth it when you care about each other a lot and I think that it all started at these dinners Hmm. it was super important for Bill and me to foster friendship between our girls so um, when we would go on a trip uh, and that was usually always on the road so in a car we didn't (laughs) let them take their friends with them they were each other's friends and we wanted that to always be the case so um, another thing we did is we didn't let them, we didn't um, let them each have their own room, even though we had enough rooms in the house to do that. And there were times where they'd have to share a room um, just so that they could learn how to cohabitate together because there was going to be a point in their life where uh, they would have to do that with somebody else, and we wanted them to learn. And Kelsey and Carly are laughing right now. We had to share a room. <laughs> Sorry to Kelsey's husband, Tom, for, for the habits she formed cohabitating. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, also, when they were old enough to drive, they only had one used car that was gifted to them by their grandparents that they all had to share, uh, which made them um, think have to think of the other person and arrange schedules and um, 
compromise and work out situations. So it was all good learning tools. Just one note on that car, having these two ahead of me and receiving it by the time I got it, it barely moved down the road. I think Becca actually totaled it in the first month. She did. So I was really looking cool pulling into the party line at school. Um, But yeah, to mom's point, we took a ton of road trips when we were growing up. um, And we quickly realized on those trips that when we were forced to spend time together, uh, when we're bored out of our minds, stuck in an overheated suburban and listening to the Eagles for the fourth time because your dad was in charge of the music, um, we quickly became each other's allies. We had to rely on each other for entertainment, conversations, laughing, and because of it, we learned about each other and made memories together. Uh, I think had we brought a friend, um, each brought a friend on those trips, our attention and memories would have been with those friends instead of with each other. Yeah. One tradition we have in our family is when it's someone's birthday, we take turns going around and talking about them in an encouraging way. We tell them how we've seen them grow in the last year or what we appreciate about them, just all uplifting things. This has been really great because we hear what other people have to say about someone else, and then we learn to appreciate those things as well, even if we didn't necessarily catch or notice them ourselves. As sisters, we've learned to see the good in each other and to share what we see out loud. Another thing we love to do in our family is make fun of each other. This can sound really mean and cold-hearted, but in our family, we feel loved when we're made fun of. Isn't that weird? (laughs) This is probably not normal for most people. I want to just insert here that they were not allowed to make fun of each other for the way that God made them. So, you know, their body or... Um, the way they looked, or whatever. It, it was healthy teasing, I'll call it. <laughs> we call it healthy teasing. Everyone has yeah. their own level of healthy teasing. <laughs> yeah, well, and the way the reason that this works was because we um, had a foundation of love that came from good communication about the things we love and appreciate each other, about each other. So um, we know we're deeply loved and exactly what they love about us, and so our relationships aren't threatened when we make fun of each other. Um, We can laugh at each other in a good way, healthy way, (laughs) and we can laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves so seriously because we know we're loved and um, appreciated. Mm -hmm. So, um, One time we were traveling again, and we were all in Boston this time because Becca had run the Boston Marathon. And this was the the year that Becca and Ryan were engaged. So this was Ryan's first exposure to spending a lot of time with our family. We were staying with good friends of ours, Marty and Margaret Brown. And Marty, who knew our girls fairly well and also knew how much we all loved good food. Apparently we don't hide that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, he told us all about the best chocolate cake he'd ever had in the world. And it was uh, at a bakery that was really close to his house. And so we planned one evening that we would all have some. Um, so the girls and Ryan went out for dinner and we stayed back at their house. 
And while we were there, Marty thought it would be funny to hide all but one piece of that delicious chocolate cake so that when the kids came back, we could see how they handled it. Oh my gosh, yeah. Not so, well. <laughs> oh, you can't imagine. So, we all had dinner and we're driving home, and I'm pretty sure in the car ride, we're like weighing our, you know, Choice, yeah, our dessert <laughs> options. Like, should we go get dessert somewhere else? Should we go get ice cream? You know, like all the options. Probably got the cake. Yeah, I'm not sure. So it was a risk. But like, is there enough <laughs> cake left? Did they eat the whole cake? How big is the cake? We're yeah. not really sure so, because Marty's just talked about it. Not so. Anyways, after great discussion, <laughs> we decided we're gonna go home and get some chocolate cake. And so we show up at the house and walk into the kitchen, and there on the counter is just one piece of chocolate cake left. And we just about died. So we're looking around the kitchen, like we're literally looking in the fridge on shelves, like it's randomly one piece out because they could not, because we could see the box was big. Like yeah. this is a big cake. And layers and layers left. of chocolate cake. So I'm so grossed out by our parents. They're sitting in the living room chatting, and we think they ate like, it'd be like they ate each, each ate like two pieces of chocolate, like two to three big pieces slices. of big. Huge. We're like, what the heck? I'm like, that is so gross like and also they aren't like <laughs> noticing us and they're like searching for the chocolate cake yeah they played pretty cool yeah. so I think eventually we all huddled Ryan probably a little confused at this point like why is this <laughs> such a big deal it's <laughs> fine uh, so we all huddled together and being the youngest this is what typically happens is that I'm sent on a mission and so I think our plan was well let's just go get our own dessert so, car, why don't you go ask dad for the rental car keys and just, like, make it no big deal, you know? So I walk over there to the parents who are just, you know, chit-chatting in the other room, quietly, like, try to make it no big deal. Hey, dad, can we have the keys? We're going to go grab some dessert. And they just start dying laughing. <laughs> totally played into our hands. It was awesome. Um... So, are we on that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Valuing experiences is the next thing we want to talk about. Sorry, we got a little um, distracted by the chocolate cake story. <laughs> I kind of want chocolate cake now. Um, valuing experience is another thing the girls talked about that really made a difference in their lives. Um, so, instead of having a, the big house with lots of toys, Bill, um, Bill and I saved our money to spend our... Um, our money on trips and experiences. We wanted to build memories that would last a lifetime. And there's nothing wrong with having the big house or the toys and prioritizing differently than we did, but this was just something that um, we decided to do that was intentional, again, so that we would build memories and relationships together. One of our favorite memories growing up was our annual cookie baking day, which happened uh, once a year around Christmas time. Uh, mom would surprise us all and randomly take us out of school for a day so that we could all hang out and bake a bunch of cookies together, which were meant to be distributed to neighbors. <laughs> uh, you're welcome, neighbors. That didn't happen all the time. Um, but she had all the recipes and ingredients ready for us. Christmas music was playing in the background, and we just got to hang out and have fun together. Uh, I can guarantee that none of us would remember what um, happened in school that day had we gone. 
Um, but those memories are super special to us um, of seeing our mom sacrifice her own schedule and potential alone time, which now as moms, we understand the value in that. Um, but she sacrificed all that to do something special for us, um, treat us to an awesome, super fun day and just hang with us. Um, and we also walked away from those experiencing experiences knowing that we're none of us are great bakers, um, which is a valuable lesson to learn. <laughs> oh, we also saved up uh, to take our girls to Israel when we were leading a trip there. They were in late elementary, middle school, and high school at that time, but we knew that two weeks in Israel together would impact their lives so much more than two weeks that they were in school. So we took them out, and for the most part, the teachers were super supportive. It's a trip we'll never forget, walking where Jesus walked together as a family and making the Bible come alive for them, and it opened the girls' eyes to a world out there they never knew about. It also started what we call the travel bug in all of us. None of us can get enough of traveling. I need to get that bug to my husband. <laughs> um, the next thing that we talked about that influenced us um, growing up was um, our dad and just having his influence in our life. Um, I think having any strong father figure uh, that your girls can look up to, whether it be dad, grandpa, uncle, or a friend, um, just having an example of a man um, to see how a woman should be treated and respected, and then having a wise man's perspective on different life situations um, was really important for all of us because... Um, he just thought of things we were going through, like had such a different perspective than the way that we would naturally think. So we all went to him um, for advice a lot. Um, knowing we were loved by our dad made us feel a certain security that didn't have to be fulfilled by other boys. Um, even though we all liked boys and wanted boys like us, I just think it wasn't as important as it could have been because we knew that we were loved. We also had a healthy fear that whatever boy we did like and brought home would have to meet our dad, and we knew he had really high standards for us. Mm -hmm. So basically, we just didn't bring any guys around, really. <laughs> just a few, here and there. <laughs> um, so we've all dated guys my dad didn't like. Yeah. But mostly some us, me. Some of us more than others. <laughs> mostly me. But I'd always care about his opinion, even though... I, sometimes I knew what it was going to be. I would still want to talk to him about it, and those were painful conversations and annoying at the time, but I cared, and um, I didn't end up with any of the ones that <laughs> you like, but um, yeah, I just think that um, also in dating, when we had like questions or problems, we would... Um, go to my dad, which is pretty rare, I think, more than my mom, not because my mom didn't have good advice, but his perspective mm -hmm. was just um, so different than mm -hmm. how we would naturally think, and so I think we just learned a lot um, from him about relationships, and... Um, yeah, I think he helped us grow emotionally a lot, yeah. um, and our emotional health and maturity, I think, happened a lot in those conversations, because we'd be able to come to come to both our parents with an emotion and then be able to kind of logically work through that emotion to where we could make a wise decision or know kind of how to move forward with it in a healthy way. <clears throat> cool. Um, okay, so the, the next subject is building trust. 
Bill and I, um, we often say to the girls, you're teaching us how much freedom we can give you. So it's on you. The more trustworthy you are, the more trust we can give you and the more freedom you can have. So this put the responsibility in the girls' hands so that they couldn't blame us for when we said no to something. Giving them that control allowed them to grow in their decision-making skills because they knew that when they made good choices, their freedom would broaden. Yeah, so when we were young, my parents did a good job of following through with discipline. They meant what they said. Their yes was their yes, and their no was their no. And we knew it as kids. This is so hard to do sometimes, but as kids, we were learning we could trust our parents to do what they said that they were going to do. And then as we got older, there was a mutual trust that was built. We could trust them, but they were also learning to trust us. As we continually made good decisions, they learned to trust us more and more. So, in high school, when I was caught at a party, if I hadn't already built trust with them, it would have been hard for them to believe that I hadn't been drinking, like I said. But because I had been showing them, uh, because I had been showing them up to that point that I can make good choices and I can be trustworthy, they trusted my story. Um, this didn't mean that there weren't consequences, though, for what for just being at the party. I was on the varsity soccer team, and I was suspended for the first two weeks of games. Um, but for me, having my parents' trust was so much more important than missing two weeks of soccer games. So, um, And also because of those decisions Becca made in high school, um, standing strong and not drinking, um, it paved the way for me and Carly. Uh, I feel like we were peer pressured less. People wouldn't ask me if I wanted to drink because it was known that town girls didn't drink so <laughs> that was really nice and <laughs> I nice. stuck with our conviction <laughs> and by the time I was in high school I just wasn't invited to anything so. uh, but one memory that stands out to me um, as kind of a defining moment around the issue of trusting my parents was when I had a crisis of faith at summer camp my senior year of high school um, well, both my mom and dad happened to be at camp volunteering that year, and I remember feeling super nervous to talk to my dad about it, but also, um, at the same time, him being the only person I really wanted to talk to about it. Um, I trusted him going into the conversation enough to have it, but the conversation we ended up having just strengthened that trust. I remember telling him what I was processing and the relief I felt when he wasn't the slightest bit, bit thrown off by it. He listened to me and comforted me. He told me how normal it is to have doubts and how important it, it was for me to process all the hard questions I was having. Looking back, it was the fact that both my parents were never threatened or so wrapped up in my world that they couldn't also deal with my stuff when I brought it to them. I could count on them to be a steady um, mentor, emotionally stable, and they were independent enough from me that they wouldn't be threatened in their own identity, but by what I was going through. Um, which brings us back, brings us to another um, section, which is just living life in authenticity. So, um, something all three of us look back at um, and appreciate about our, appreciate about our parents was that we saw them as normal people. Um, with issues, strengths, and weaknesses. Um, as I think about now being a mom and raising my own kids, there's this picture that keeps coming into my mind about my mom, and it was this. 
I'd wake up for school and be getting ready. I'd come down into the kitchen and start making my lunch. This was something that we did um, the moment we could walk pretty much in our family. Um, which, thanks, Mom, now we have the right to tell our kids the same. Um, but in the room off of the kitchen, my mom would be there morning after morning with her Bible in one hand and a coffee in the other. She never made it a big deal as far as drawing attention to it or hammering us over the head about how we should be doing it too. She just did it. She was modeling to us every day of what the normal rhythms of her life were, and there was nothing fake about it. Yeah, that was um, a really positive way in which we saw my mom live in authenticity. Another way that they lived in authenticity was they were not afraid to fight in front of us. Um, They argued, but then we would hear them making up and working it out. And um, there was this one time in particular, we were, a lot of our stories are about traveling, but I don't know why that is, but um, we were traveling and we're in a foreign country and my mom was supposed to be helping my dad navigate um, with this foreign map. It made no sense. She couldn't read it. She couldn't read the road signs. I mean, later you get demoted. the picture. Yeah, she got demoted yeah. after this situation to the very back. Yeah, she, she sat in the back <laughs> with her mouth wide open. But, um, See, ripping. She's ripping. But it's okay. Oh my gosh. Anyways, so couldn't read the map, couldn't read the road signs. My mom was pretty much worthless. <laughs> we were all in the back. Oh, and Kelsey actually had a friend on this particular trip, and she was so she was also in the car. <laughs> My parents were up front f- fighting about where we were supposed to go or turn or whatever, and we were just all in the back, silent, listening to them. And I think Carly pulled out the video camera actually oh, sure. and caught it all on video for our future entertainment. So yeah, I. Like at least half of it was Bill's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Anyways, the point of the story is that they were just being real and they weren't afraid to um, fight or have an argument in front of us or in front of our friend for that matter. (laughs) Um, They were just being themselves in that moment. And of course they worked it out. We got to where we were supposed to go. Um, but we can all now laugh about that heated car ride where mom got booted to the back. Um, but also this has helped us in our own relationships that when we face conflict in our marriages now that our relationships aren't threatened because we disagree. We all know it's a part of any relationship and we have the tools and have seen for ourselves how to work through challenges in healthy ways. Yeah, so um, along those lines, being authentic um, in front of our friends, (laughs) we all um, loved having our friends over and our parents loved us having our friends over. We always had an open door policy at our house um, and we didn't have the big house with all the fun toys, but it was always warm and um, our parents would engage with our friends when they came over. Um, When we were in high school and The Bachelor was getting popular, we would have bachelor viewing nights, and a bunch of our friends would come over, and Mom would make dessert. Clearly, (laughs) I wouldn't bake. Of course, we would buy dessert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we'd watch the show, and 
my parents would, our parents would pause it and we'd talk about like what was going on in relationships and some good conversations came out of it. And it, like, we all would look forward to these Monday night bachelor nights. And even my dad would, cause some guy friends would come over and watch it. <laughs> That's so. true. Um, but it allowed our friends to build relationships with our parents. And now they still want to like come check in with them when they're in town. And, um, that was really cool part of that also. Um, all three of us have talked about it. We hope that our houses can be that warm, inviting place for our kids and their friends. Mm-hmm. So much fun. Um, I just want to let you know, as a mom, um, that the things that we talked about today are things that the girls came up with, not me. Um, because I wanted this talk to come from their perspective. After all, they're the ones who can say whether or not something was important. So body image, family dinner time, sister friendship valuing experiences, father figure, building trust, and living authentically were things that shaped our daughters. Um, And I just want to close by saying that as a mom, looking back, if there's one thing I could say that made the biggest difference for me, it was, um, and is still, to have my identity be secure in Christ. That means that I don't have to listen to all the voices around me telling me a thousand different ways that I need to be a better mom or a better person for that matter. It also keeps me from needing my girls to succeed, excel, and perform because my identity is not attached to theirs. When they're young, if they misbehave, I'm not devastated. And when they get older, I can rest in God's plan for them without manipulating situations or wringing my hands when things don't go the way I think they should. When I'm secure in my identity in Christ, it gives my girls a security in knowing that I am not needing them to be the fulfillment of my life. So they're able to discover their own identity in Christ rather than mom's version of it. I hope that makes sense. The Encourage Conference has been all about this subject of identity. And I know you, I hope that you've heard the message loud and clear that you are known and loved by God. As a mom, To get your security and identity in that is the most important parenting advice that I can give. So we hope now and pray that our talk has been encouraging for you. Thanks for listening.